Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All right, my name is Tony Coleman. I am, in case I wasn't introduced or missed, if you're a guest here, we thank you for coming in. You may have been expecting Pastor Unizzi. He's not here. If you couldn't distinguish us, I am a little bit taller, a little bit heavier. Sit. But I thank you for being here. Um, he asked me to step in tonight because I'm the ancillary. I'm the guy that comes in when the line gets short. <laughs> uh, you know, like every preacher speaker does, they try to come up with um, these really great, interesting, intriguing titles to a message. They, we we want to think of something that's going to catch you like right there. And, so catch you so well that, wow, I'll never forget the title of that message. Now, now, most people forget the message, but sometimes they hold on to the title. I was unsuccessful at that. On today, having looked at this passage, having looked at this text and wrestled through it and said, I don't have, I got nothing. So today, tonight, we're going to talk about the single idea getting them to Christ. <clears throat> Just get them to Christ. That is the single idea that we have tonight. Get them to Christ. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. For many of you, it's a familiar passage. I'm, I'm sure of that. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. <clears throat> And it came to pass on a certain day as we were teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what they might be bring him because of the multitudes, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling through which his, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven. Father in heaven, we, we do thank and praise you, Lord, that we can come together to hear your word, sing your songs, <clears throat> and worship your name. We ask, God, that you speak to us tonight, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, Lord, that you would speak to our intellect and our emotions. We pray, Lord, that by your spirit, we walk out of here that much closer to you, God. So, Lord, be with us tonight. We pray that you be pleased with our offerings. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. So tonight we're simply going to talk about this concept of get him to Christ. If I had to have three points of which I do, then I would look at this thing by what was going on here with these men who see Jesus speaking and decide that they need to take this man who is sick of palsy and to get him to Christ. So they had a clear objective. They had clear obstacles, and they had a certain amount of obstinance. That's actually incredible when you look at it. So what's their objective? Simply this. Behold, men brought in a bed which was taken with a man with palsy and sought means to bring him here and to lay him before Christ. <clears throat> their single focus objective was to get this man to Christ. That's it. We're going to get this man to Christ. In fact, if we're going to be honest, if we're going to be truthful, if we're going to look at this thing has its really design, that is our objective. Let me remind you, let me inform you that the very reason that you are saved and brought to Christ is to bring other people to Christ. So you're, you're, you're not here to do ministry. Because I want to clear that up. You're not here to do ministry. Ministry is the means by way you bring people to Christ. Your objective is to bring people to Christ. The way you do that is your ministry. See, I teach, I speak, I help people with things, I pray. Because these are the things that I do to bring people to Christ. That's the objective. See, we've gotten carried away in this modern age that the ministry has become more important than the people we're trying to bring to Christ. The ministry has overshadowed the idea that this thing exists to bring people to Christ. Yeah, these men were in ministry because these four men picked up somebody who could not help themselves and did whatever they could do to get them to Christ. That's the objective. That's the sole plan. That's the goal. That's what it's all about. Anything less than that, you're spinning wheels, you're spinning plates, and you're building wood, hay, and stubble. The objective is to get people to Christ. Now let me, let me clarify that some more because here's where the obstacles come in. So the first obstacle that was clear to these guys is as they walked up on this scene, on this situation, was that many people were gathered, great multitudes. And in those multitudes were the Pharisees, the scribes, doctors, if you will, PhDs, the bishop, the right reverend, the pontiff, all of these names and titles we give ourselves in ministry to establish our credibility, to say, oh, I'm the guy that you should listen to. And yet, as we see throughout the scriptures, these are the very guys that challenge Jesus every step of the way, every step of the way. 
In fact, in the back end of this verse, I mean, in the back end of this chapter, they question, who are you to forgive sin? Who do you think you are? You see, because they lost the idea of what was supposed to be happening. We're getting people to the Savior, not arguing with the Savior, not denying the Savior, not trying to make a new Savior, but we're getting people to Jesus. Get them to Christ. So he ran up with this first obstacle was the multitude, the people, the people who were gathered around Christ hearing him speak. We have an idea who's in that crowd, and then I speculate who's in that crowd because I look at who's in the crowds that go to churches today. You see, oftentimes we run into the obstacle that folks are just in the way. Not really interested in the fact that somebody needs to get to Jesus, but here to see the miracle. Here to catch some of the crumbs from the fish and loaves. Here to see what is in it for me. What's good for me? See, I, I've said in my class that I, I believe Christianity has become the new drug, the new feel better thing. If I become a Christian, maybe I can feel better. It'll help me with my depression. It'll help me with my sadness. Never calculating or considering the idea that I want to become a Christian because I need help with my sin. I need help with my sin. And I submit that many of our problems derive directly from our sin. But we go to Christ to fix the problem and not the sin. See, these are people that are in the crowd. Sometimes it makes it hard to work your way to Christ because you got to navigate through that. A lot of times, it's the social beliefs of the Christian, of the people in the crowd. Well, Christ is only supposed to be come to a certain way. Only certain people can come to Christ. Well, you must be in this condition to come to Christ. See, a lot of the laws and rules that we've created, a lot of the traditions, a lot of the, what I would call the tribal rituals, have now made it harder and harder and harder to get people to create, to get people to Jesus. When the simple path is, get them to Christ. Or that my favorite is, well, we, we really can't do that here. Or the seven last words of a church that says, we've never done it like that. See, because the path to Christ, the path that someone else might have to take, the path that we might have to walk somebody through, doesn't go down the traditional paths or the roadways that we see deemed righteous. But sometimes we got to take the deer path. Sometimes we got to take the path that the wild boars go through in the woods. Sometimes we got to go up and over the path. 
And sometimes, if you've ever been in the mission field, you got to hack a new path because that path doesn't even exist there. You see, these are the things that have gotten in the way of getting people to Jesus. So the rules of ministry, the uncharted course, the social beliefs of the area that we live in or function in, people are often the obstacle of getting people to Jesus. Our inability to lift our hands in praise or to shout or to be worried about, well, is what I'm wearing presentable? Because of what you might think that people will think. People are often the obstacle of getting people to Jesus. But that's not the only thing. Because if we look in this situation here, this man was stricken with palsy. Now, what I know about medicine is maybe a little bit more than two aspirin and a drink of water to heal my ailments. But I'm not a doctor. But what I do know is our modern technology has solved a lot of things that were detrimental 2,000 years ago. Modern medicine has made living a little bit easier than it might have been 2,000 years ago. So this man with palsy lives today, can have meds that can control his shape, can get physical therapy to help him walk, even to the point of mechanical devices to help him move. But 2,000 years ago, none of that existed, which means, which means that this man was totally incapacitated, had no means by his own power to get to Christ. He could not get into that crowd by himself. He could not crawl his way through the crowds and be there at the right time. So he was 100% dependent on the believers around him, the people around to get him to Christ. You see, this man is what we would call the shadow or the type of the sinner. See, because we know, we know that the sinner cannot get to Christ except God reaches down for him. If you think that you got yourself saved, I would like to spend some time with you. If you think that you saved yourself, come to Connection Group. If you think that you were saved because your friend said all the right things, you need to give God more credit because our makeup that Romans talks about, that uh, the Gospels talk about, that in our own power, because man is simple and inherently selfish, we can't come to Christ. I'm saved because people prayed for me, Roger. That's it. And it was the grace of God, the mercy of God, 
that heard their voice. Now we can get all, because I know there's some, some Bible guys in here, some theologians that want to get all into election. Ah, I'm saved because God loved me first. That's it. <laughs> That's it. We can get into all the science and value, things like that. God loved me first and made way by his providence that someone would pray for me and get me to Christ. That's the objective. Get him to Christ. So this man was the second obstacle because as you know, many people that you're witnessing to is the biggest obstacle in their own way of getting to Christ. I know for a fact that some of you in here have been praying for years for people that just for some reason won't budge. They're the biggest obstacle. But I encourage you to keep praying. I encourage you to keep driving. I encourage you to continue to find means to get around that obstacle. Because the non-believer is unable to help himself get to Christ. So you must extend that grace and mercy to understand that fact about them. See, they're not being stubborn. They're really not. I mean, it looks like they are. You think they are, but they're really not being stubborn. Yeah, they're fighting tooth and nail. They're kicking and screaming all the way. But what it is, is Satan just is not going to let that guy go. That old man is just not going to let that guy go. So it takes spiritual warfare. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. That you must be in the fight. You must be able to do whatever it takes. You see, if you've ever been, and probably none of you have, but I don't know. But if you ever had to go to combat, and that other guy's doing everything he can to take your life, everything he can to gain that ground that you're standing on, do you just lay down? No, because see, when things start happening, you're, you're no longer worried about the geography. You're no longer worried about, well, what does this look like? You're no longer worried about what they're going to say about you. You're worried about staying alive. And you will do anything that you can to preserve that life. Can you imagine having that that ambition, that desire for someone else. You see, the thing is, the Bible, what the Bible says is important. But oftentimes, what the Bible doesn't say is also important. Yeah, what the Bible doesn't say is also important. See, because let's look at this. We have no idea who these men were. The Bible's totally silent on who these men were. I say that because, one, is four men. Two, do they even know this guy? Was he a relative? Was he a brother-in-law? Was he a neighbor? 
quite possibly he could have been just some guy that these guys walked up on and said, hey, let's help this guy. You see, it was a stranger that they picked up and said, we got to get him to Christ. So who are these men? Are these men Christians? They couldn't have been because Christians didn't exist then. <laughs> so what do they know about Christ? They heard the stories. Maybe they saw some miracles. They had some hope. The Bible says nothing. So you know what that tells me? It tells me that the person I need to get to Christ, I don't necessarily have to be related to, do I? Oh, I don't necessarily have to be their friend, do I? They, they don't have to be my neighbor. They don't have to be my brother or sister-in-law. They don't have to be my boss. They just got to be somebody that needs healing. They just got to be somebody in need of a savior. And I'm responsible for that. We're responsible for that. Get them to Christ. Get them to Christ. Finally, the last obstacle of what we could find out, sometimes the location and facilities are the obstacle. You see, these guys came up on a crowd where Jesus was preaching. Mark describes Jesus preaching from his house, which means he's at the front steps. So these guys, people are crowded. We don't know if people in the house, if they blocked the streets off. If you had a big parking lot. We don't know. We just know that it seemed like the facilities did not have an aisle that allowed people to walk through at the end of the service and come down and accept Christ. Apparently there was, there was no provision for that. We, we don't... We, it seems like that there was no handicapped seating in the front row or aisles for the handicapped to move. There was no handicapped parking. I, 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 that's what I think. So apparently the facilities were not conducive for people who were less than strong, able, able-bodied to get to Christ on their own. But let's think about that because, see, People come to church, the facilities are nice, yet they're still not able to get to Christ. Because the facilities, or what I would say to people in the facilities, not here, have not made it a welcoming place, have not demonstrated the love, have not demonstrated the concern to that person to get them to Christ. This particular case, these guys looked at and said, we got to get him to Christ. <clears throat> We got a problem here. So what did they do? And when he could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. You know what these guys did? They tore the roof off. They tore the roof off. 
I don't think you're really understanding that. Like, I pictured that because I'm looking at this thing, and I look up at my ceiling and say, I can't imagine. I would go berserk <laughs> somebody tore the roof off of my house and lowered something in. I'd go berserk if the wind tears the roof off my house, and the wind has every right because that's his job, you know? But four guys climb up on my roof. So can you imagine? Here we are now. I'm here speaking. And suddenly somebody lowers somebody down in the ceiling. First of all, I'd be overwhelmed because I'm not Christ. But then I would also be distracted. And you know what the first thing I would say, if I'm going to be honest? I'd, I'd like to be spiritual and say, wow, look at how serious these guys are. But you know what the first thing I would say? What are you doing? Who do you think you are? Who's going to pay for this? Who's going to fix this? Now I got to call the Wilsons. <laughs> I got to call Lou. I got to call these men. <laughs> say, look, when can y'all get in here and get this done? But I would have totally forgotten and been distracted by that, not seeing the fact, oh, wait, they just trying to get this man down to where the word of God is. But you see, that's how we think, isn't it? See, sometimes in our minds, we're distracted by the, oh, what did they do as opposed to what they are trying to do. We're distracted in our minds by, oh, what we can't do as opposed to what we should be doing. So we often discount the blessing that we can get because we have calculated, made prominent all the reasons why it won't work or why it's no good. So we get there and suddenly that person is no more closer to Christ than they were before they met us. We got to do better. So the obstinance of these men, these men who may not even know who this guy was until that day, these men who probably took no consideration of whose house they were at tearing the roof off. You know, can you imagine the thoughts that they had because they had a single-minded purpose to get somebody to Christ. They had a single-minded mission. They were not going to be stopped. They were not going to be denied. So they looked at the obstacles, recalculated their plan. We're going to do the unthinkable. You know, those houses then had an outside set of stairs. And they were probably pretty steep. So four men carrying a man on a bed with palsy up a flight of steps. Now, again, there probably were not any building codes that said your steps had to be so many feet wide. I'm pretty sure that there was no OSHA variations that said you have to have so much railing after you get past three steps. I'm positive that those steps weren't solid concrete, but they were probably worn through weather and wear and tear. So now, four men carrying somebody up the steps on the outside, through a crowd, onto a roof of someone's house that they don't know to get this man down into the living room to the feet of Jesus. There's a lot of words you could say for that. 
we're just going to go with obstinance. <laughs> but that's a lot of guts. That's a lot. Because, you know, when they got on top of the roof, they probably said, wait, what do we do now? I'm sure that they didn't bring a sawzall. I'm positive that they didn't bring a hammer, that they didn't have their DeWalt 20-volt screw guns. So which means, if you think about this, they tore the roof off with their hands. And it had to be a pretty sizable hole, if you think about it, because they couldn't lower the guy down on his shoulders. They had to lower the whole bed down. Who thinks like that? I'll tell you who thinks like that. Somebody that knows who Christ is, knows what Christ can do for you, knows that Christ has the power to heal sins, knows the price that Christ has the power to heal body, knows that Christ is the only answer, the only answer for that man who was sick and couldn't help himself. We're in that same predicament. 2,000 years later, Christ is still the only answer. So let me ask you, what are you willing to do to get someone to Christ? What tradition might you be willing to break to get someone to Christ? What path that may not be the beaten path to get someone to Christ. What sacrifice are you willing to make to get someone to Christ? Because it's the only job. It's the only job. Get them to Christ. It's the goal. It's the privilege. It's the honor. It's the responsibility. It's the price of salvation. So in conclusion, Jesus says to them, because you can imagine he's standing here talking, and suddenly he sees this dust and sheetrock and insulation and would start coming down at his feet in the living room and says, what is going on? And he looks up and he sees these men lowering a person down. And he looks at them and he looks at him and he looks at them. And you got to know that these guys were looking down and said, okay, what's going to happen? What is he going to do? So he had four heads looking to a hole and he looks at them. And he says, he says, man, and when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, he said unto them, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. It's right here, verse 20. When he saw their faith, he said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. So their efforts were not fruitless. Their efforts were not a waste of time. 
the time that they put in to do all this did not go to waste. They got this man to Christ. I want you to be encouraged by that because I know some of you are praying time and time and time. I know some of you are working time and time and time. I know some of you are putting the effort in. Be encouraged because when Christ sees your faith, sins will be forgiven. People will come to know him. And if you go further down in this chapter, he not only forgave your sin, his sins, but he healed his body. Jesus recognizes your faith and prayers. Yeah, the timing doesn't always seem great. But some of us have lived life long enough to know that God might not be there at the time we want him, but he's always there on time. Get him to Christ, y'all. Get him to Christ. Don't get him to the church. Don't get him to the ministry. Don't get him to your backyard barbecue. Don't get him in front of the pastor. Get him to Christ. You get him to Christ, you bring him here to grow. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you are God and God alone. We pray, Lord, that you will see our faith, that we'll be encouraged and even motivated, Lord, to do the necessary. God, we know that we need to get people to you by any means necessary. So, Father, we pray that you would bless us with creativity, that you would bless us with courage, we ask God that now that you'd be pleased and honored with what we would do moving forward to this day as we understand our primary mission is to get people to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.